Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of The Breakthrough Maze. My name is Joe Applebaum, and what I do here is I speak to entrepreneurs that are looking to create more power, more freedom, and more self-expression in their life. Welcome to the program. Is there anything that you want more of? Hi, Joe. How are you? I am doing unbelievably amazing. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, taking the time out to to speak with me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. So tell me, where in your life do you want a little more freedom, a little more power? Where do you want to feel a little more vitality? Sure. Great question. Um, well, firstly, I am very passionate about what I do. I, um, I'm a coach for people who struggle to heal from childhood abuse and you know, I, I like to do that. That's what I love to do. Um, ultimately speaking, um, you know, it's, uh, it's tough to maybe bring that to people in, the, in a way that's compassionate and inviting because most people don't necessarily want to uh, communicate about those things. Those things are largely memories that are uncomfortable. And um, what I find, though, is that when we do confront those things and we heal them, we really heal all elements of our life. All relationships are able to restore themselves to health. Um, so, you know, it's just, I guess I'd like to find a way to grow in the business element, element of it and be able to communicate this service to people in a way that, uh, allows them to feel safe, uh, and ultimately, uh, heard. So where, where are you feeling that you're not really getting traction? Because it seems like you're already doing this and you do, it, lo- it looks like you are moving forward with this. It's not like you're not get you're not just getting started, right? It seems like you've been doing this for a while. Um, so where, where are you missing like traction? Where the, where's the rubber not really hitting the road for you? Sure. Well, you know, I am getting, I have traction. I'm grateful for that. And I, I think people are resonating with the message I'm sending out. I guess what I'm, what I'm confused about is it seems like many, many people, uh, are struggling with this issue, you know, childhood trauma, specifically developmental trauma, um, and wounds of childhood. But, um, I would assume that a lot more people would be interested in some, a service like this, um, based on, you know, the amount of people that I am communicating with and helping. So just a way to bring that out to, to the masses, I guess you can say, so that people can really understand that there is benefit to this. Does that make sense? When, when, yeah. Whenever I speak to people and they are not specific with what they want to achieve, it becomes very, very difficult for them to actually get to that place. So I say, I'll, t- I'll ask somebody, I'm like, what do you want to achieve? And they're like, I want more. Or what I heard you say is I wanted to get out to the masses. And there's no limit to what the masses is because the masses could be a five people. The masses could be 10. The masses could be 150. The masses could be 10,000. The masses could be a million, 10 million, a billion. The masses could be 7 billion or the masses could be 1 trillion people. I know that doesn't exist. The trillion people doesn't exist, but you know, all all humanity for all the time in the past and all the time in the future could be the masses. So the question is, where are we going with this? Because whenever whenever somebody's stuck or they they want something, often it's something that's if if they're not comfortable, if they don't have clarity as to what their actual desire is, it becomes very difficult for them to achieve it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I do have a little bit of clarity. Um, if you'd like, I can go into some of the details of the plan of the of what I'd like to see. Um, but I could not possibly agree more 
Um, I agree. I think that people are very vague about success. Ultimately, they don't know their target market. Um, and um, I personally have made that mistake in the past. And I've learned that, um, you know, not everyone's going to love you. Not everyone's going to need you. And that's okay. So talk about target market for a minute, because you hit you hit the nail on the head in terms of the target market, because it's one thing to have a goal, right? You know how many people you want to serve, because ultimately, there's X amount of hours in your day. And if you're serving people in a one on one setting, then there's a limited amount of people that you can actually help. And if your roster is not completely full, then you want to first fill all your units, and then you want to figure out how to increase the price of your units. And then what you want to do is try to figure out how to do group stuff. And then you want to leverage your time in some other ways, maybe by hiring other people, training them onto your method and so on and growing that way. So that could be like a goal. But then target market is really important because so many people are afraid to pigeonhole themselves into a specific target market. Do you feel like you want to help everybody? Or do you feel like there's some specific type of person that you really want to nail down? Because you know this better than anybody else. Everybody has a childhood trauma. Everybody has wounds. Most people don't know that they have it, but everybody's living with their wounds. Right. Yeah, I, I do ultimately want to help everyone, and that's what motivates me. But I, I agree. I think that, that it's not going to – It's not. it just doesn't work like that. Um, so I guess my what I'd like to do is – let people educate people on the availability of the need that they have, you know, um, really letting them know that, you know, that this is a problem that they can solve. They may not even know that it's an issue. So I do believe that education is necessary first. And, it, and once I can reach people with the education, I'll have, it'd be in a much better position to tell them, okay, well, now that you are aware of this issue and how it's playing itself out in your life, now here's a solution. So um, I'm not trying to sell people. I'm not trying to create a problem that doesn't exist. I'm trying to uh, bring awareness to a problem that already exists and then a way to, to, a way to work uh, through it and ultimately uh, resolve it. So when we're breaking down a target market, I always like looking at trying to figure out ways to be able to market to people. So what you mentioned one thing, you don't, you don't want people who don't think they have well, – you don't necessarily want – people that don't know they have an issue, or if they don't know they have an issue, you want to try to make them aware that there's an issue there and educate them onto that. But if you want to be able to really grow you and you want you have more available units to fill, fill seats in, then the question is, who are those most ideal people that you would want to sign up to your services or that you would want to support and help? Yeah, that's a fantastic question, and um, I guess I'm I'm trying to figure that out myself. You know, I uh, I again like I I like to believe that that anybody who uh, and I can go into some of the details about what I do because um, I think that might help answer this. But I think that men, everyone who struggles with mental health, a uh, mental illness, I should say, um, you know, is looking to solve their mental illness issue. Yeah, so but there's a thousand think. therapists. Out. There's like tens right. of thousands, millions of therapists out there, and everybody, everybody has or gone or has been exposed to a therapist somewhere, some shape or form. Right? There's a therapist everywhere. So the question is, why would they want to come to you, or why would you appeal to one person over the other? Right. Well, it also depends on what what a person's looking for. Um, sometimes you're right. There are many people who in the mental health field and many wonderful professionals, um, not that many are, are dealing with developmental trauma. So 
you're right. There are people who are are looking to help people resolve their their anxiety, their symptoms. But many people uh, don't necessarily have the awareness, the expertise, and the method to help a person who is struggling with developmental trauma. Now, just a little bit of a, a couple of details about what I do, because uh, I think that would help answer this question. Because most therapy, and again, no disrespect to any therapy, but most, most therapy really is about the symptoms. It's about symptoms management. It doesn't really get to the core cause of mental illness, which I believe is, has to do with childhood trauma and ch developmental trauma. So what happens a lot of times, and from what I've experienced in my own life and with working with many different people, is that when you do resolve the childhood developmental trauma, then you do are able to resolve the symptoms that stem from it for good. So while it's not, while there is symptom, we address the symptoms, we don't manage the symptoms. We uh, work through them okay. and ultimately resolve them. I'll give you that. I'll totally give you that you're different you. and you're special because you deal with the cause. You don't deal necessarily with the symptoms. And at the end of the day, the cause of all our issues is because we have a childhood trauma. We had issues when we were growing up and you get to the core of it and you're able to really zero in and support people when they have those types of issues. So my question for you is, I really want you to think about who is the most ideal person? Is it a person that's already aware that they have childhood trauma and they're coming to you as a laser, as a, as a surgeon? Or is it someone who's not necessarily aware yet and you'll help them triage that and identify it? Is it more females? Is it more males? Is it people in their 30s, people in their 40s? Is it people that are married? Is it like, I, I want you to really think about where these people are in their journey, who they are, and that will get you closer to picking your niche. Because if you don't pick your niche, then you're basically, it doesn't matter if you're dealing with the symptoms, if you're dealing with the cause, it doesn't matter. What You're, you're still going to have a hard time really resonating with a specific target audience. Yeah, something to think about, no question. And uh, just to kind of give the the... The shorthand, uh, quick answer, you know, a lot of the people who reach out to me, um, you know, I advertise myself, right? I market myself or I, uh, I, uh, I guess express myself as a narcissistic abuse life coach. And the reason I do that is because uh, a lot of developmental trauma comes down to uh, injuries, most specifically narcissistic injuries. What happens is, is that when a person comes to therapy and they're looking to deal with their, 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 their narcissistic injuries, um, it, which has usually wreaked havoc on their day-to-day -day life, they are looking for to resolve that. And um, there's not a whole lot of answers to that problem. So I guess you can say if there's a specific niche or person or market that I'm looking to help, it's those who have a narcissistic wound or a narcissistic injury or an injury from childhood uh, that is wreaking havoc on their relationships uh, every day. So um, it, 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 I guess what confuses me, and maybe you can help me out, it, it's an extremely broad market because everyone is in a relationship. Most, a lot of people are in a relationship, maybe not, maybe not an intimate relationship, but a work relationship. Uh, if they're struggling with, uh, with dealing with that relationship, it's going to affect their entire life. And um, if we can help a person uh, resolve that, that underlying dysfunctional pattern of behavior that's stemming from the trauma, we will be in a position to help, I think, everyone. So, so I, you think, know, I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head a little bit because there, when it comes to picking a target market, I always say that there's the market, right? The market that you're in is mental health or coaching. Then there's the mm -hmm. sub-market, which is dealing with childhood trauma slash dealing with your past or dealing with 
you know, the, there's different types of, of things that people deal with when it comes to mental illness or when it comes to trauma or when it comes to that. So specifically dealing with individuals that have issues with their past or, or something like that. And then there's a niche. So that's the submarket of mental health. And then there's something a little bit deeper, which is a category, which is a niche. And that's really where the blue ocean is. And for you, you mentioned narcissism, but there's 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 lots of different niches, right? Some people are are specialized for entrepreneurs with ADD. There are people that specialize with married women that are depressed or that have postpartum depression. So, so you can go down any of these routes. Ultimately, there's still the symptom and the cause. But when you're talking about narcissism or narcissistic behavior, that itself is a niche. If you come in with that and say, hey, are you married to a narcissist? Have you heard the word narcissism in your world and you really want to understand what this is, where it stems from, and how you can deal with this? That could be your target market, living with a narcissist, being narcissistic. I mean, that whole concept, that could be a target market itself. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, that, in a sense, is my that is who I target. You know, I have a podcast and I have a, a channel and I, and I, and I um, I do go that route because I'm aware that, <clears throat> excuse me, that that is the um, that is where people can reach me, and ultimately that's my specialty. Now, that doesn't mean I can't help anybody else along the continuum of mental illnesses, but um, but I agree, and that, that's in a sense I've already uh, and I feel that I've already discovered that niche and have kind of um, created the the avenue to solve that issue. So in a sense, I have the so to speak. Uh, the problem, you know, the reaction, and then the solution. And once now that I have that, it's just a matter of bringing that to people's awareness that this problem exists. You know, a lot of people who I work with, I would say almost all of them have been in therapy uh, for 30, uh, maybe, you know, not necessarily 30, but but up to 30, 40, maybe even 50 years. You know, I have a patient who's uh, over the age of 80, and she's telling me that she has been through countless therapies, and and no one really wants to talk about uh, the uh, developmental trauma, um, specifically, you know, narcissistic relationships. Um, and so what you're saying right now is very powerful. And I hope you're listening to this as you're saying this, because you're literally saying your niche. You're saying I deal with people that have already been to therapy and already been diagnosed with either an issue or with a problem, either self-diagnosed or words have been told them. So these are highly educated people that have mm -hmm. been through therapy already. So you're not dealing with just anybody. I mean, you're, you, of course you no. can deal with anybody, but you're not just dealing with anybody. You're dealing with somebody that already has been going to therapy and maybe failed in therapy or didn't get yeah. their issues resolved completely and have heard the word narcissism a few times in the therapy and heard the word trauma. So if you've gone mm -hmm. to therapy and haven't successfully worked out your issues, I'm your guy. Right. And now think about, and, and thank you for pointing that out. And thank you for, because uh, I am passionate about for that very reason. Now think about the market for that, because how many people go to therapy and, you know, and, and how many people are left with, you know, with their, with, with really the unanswered question. And that question is, the question is usually the unconscious question that's asked is, Hey, listen, I'm suffering from mental illness and I do not know why. So uh, please help me, please guide me and please show me. So um, if that question is not being answered, then you have, you know, you got to ask the question, well, then what, what is it, what is the, uh, 
what is the answer? And uh, I do believe very passionately that this uh, method that I work with and I use is the answer, um, mostly because it has answered my specific personal questions. Uh, I spent my own uh, years and time and money in therapy, uh, which was extremely ineffective. Um, and this answers my question, and it's answering a lot of other people's questions, uh, really leading to why I'm so extremely passionate about it. That's very, very powerful. That's Once you pick your target market, then you realize that you're not really going after the masses. What you're actually doing is you're going after a niche of people. I always tell people, I don't want to go viral. I don't want millions of people to see me or know me because that doesn't really help me. What's going to help me is if a thousand people see me a thousand times. That's how I'm going to make a deep, deep, deep impact. So if you have a number, if you could pick a number of how many clients you're going to see in the next three years or in the next year, how many people are you going to serve? People that have been to therapy, people that, uh, people that have heard the word narcissism. How many people, what's your capacity limit to how many people you can actually serve in some which way or form in the next 12 months, in the next 36 months? What would that number be? Sure. You know, I don't know. I don't know because, um, you know, I, I, um, I, what do I, what do I want it to be? I want it to be a, a, a large amount of people. You know, I'll tell you that there Pick are only number. so many. Yeah. I, you know, here, okay. I'll say like this. There's, there's only so many hours in the day. Um, and there's huh. more people that need my services, I believe, than there are hours in the day. So, um, I am hoping to, uh, create a, a form of, of doing my uh, therapy uh, with uh, sort of a video series where they can actually do a lot of the work without me. Um, that way, more people can get the, the help that they need. Um, and I've actually am working on that. I'm preparing for that because I do believe that the second people are aware of this being effective, uh, a lot of people are going to show up. So um, the number, I mean, you know, as many people that, that need help, that need healing, really. So I don't really know. I don't have much of an answer. And that's okay. It's okay not to have a number, but just being aware that you don't have a number, being aware that you don't have a number is very, very helpful because that is usually a limiting factor. Like not wanting to make a number. There's usually something that stems from you not wanting to make a number and usually has to do with fear. Fear that the number might be too low. Fear that the number might be too high. Fear that you're pulling the number out of your butt instead of out of a strategy, what should the number be? There's a lot of different variables of numbers. Is how many people, how much you should charge, how much time, what percentage. If you look back at the past year, you might say, hey, in the past year, I served 100 people or I served 200 people. And on average, the average person spent, I don't know, two, $3,000 with me or whatever the average order is for the average person. If I had an average order of two, $3,000, and I can create groups, group programs, and I can create videos, and I can create books and workshops and seminars and all types of education-based therapy, group-based therapy. Now I can start. Now I can start really making a difference for people. Now there's another way to look at the number, which is figuring out how much money you want to make per year, which is also a difficult number to pick and to decide because there's no limit to how much you want to make. But ultimately. There's a number in your head. For me, the number was 10 years ago when I started my business, I said, I want to make a million dollars a year. And then when I made a million, I said, I want to make 2 million. And then when I made 2 million, I said, I want to make 4 million. And then I realized, why am I picking these numbers? I'm picking these numbers because these are the numbers that I decided to choose. And when you choose numbers, you start hitting those numbers. 
But when you don't choose numbers, I know so many people that are afraid of choosing numbers. 96% of business owners are doing less than a million dollars in revenue. Forget about profit. Forget about taking home less than $50,000 a year. So if there's a number, you got to pick a number and that will help guide your strategy, your goal as to what you can achieve. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It does. What's the next step? What are you going to do next in order for you to be able to create a strategy? Well, it sounds like I need to choose a number. Okay. And is there something stopping you from picking a number? Well, you know, I, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I mean, I, I don't, um, I don't know, you know, the number. Um, I don't know specifically what I do want. So I guess the, I guess the answer to that is because is I don't know, or I haven't maybe even thought the, of the importance to choose a number. So now that I'm thinking, okay, well, I have to choose a number, you know, yeah, it does feel limiting. It does feel like if I have these big global goals and I, and I choose a small number, it's like, well, that's, uh, that's insulting to my dreams, but I, I agree. I think that you're right. And thank you for clarifying. I think that it's important. Um, yeah, to, let's uh, talk about to... that for a minute. Let's talk about why a small number is insulting to your dreams because you're not the only person that suffers from that. I think every human being suffers from the anxiety of picking a number that's too small and then pigeonholing themselves into a number that's too small. And now it's like, why would I pick such a small number? That's ridiculous. That's not inspiring. Yeah. And I, I'll admit to the fear of that, um, but it's not just the fear of that. It's also the, the confusion of, of if I choose a number, what does that mean? And, and, and you know, what, what do I do with that number? And it's like, okay, great. I, you know, I, I want to be a billionaire. Okay, great. Okay, well, well there are, when you're setting a goal, so we're doing a goal-setting masterclass, and when you're setting a goal, when it comes to picking numbers in general, there's a goal that's inside your comfort zone which, you know, you might say making a little bit less than you're making now or the same or just a tiny little bit more. You know you're going to hit it. You're in your comfort zone. And then you go all the way to the other side where you're like, I want a billion dollars. I want a hundred billion. I want more money than Warren Buffett. I want it now. You're delusional. Right. But then right in the middle, where's the middle between delusional and your comfort zone? There's a zone there called the discomfort zone or the uncomfortable zone, or pushing yourself zone, or the next level zone. And that's where you kind of want to find yourself where you feel like you can do it, where it's attainable. You feel like the number is relevant to you. It's relevant to your current lifestyle, relevant to what you need, relevant to what's possible. And if you believe that you can achieve that number within a certain period of time, and you see the potential, you're going to start taking actions towards that number, which will end up getting you results and getting you closer to the number, which will improve your belief. And then you could push it to the next level. Before I decided I wanted to make a million dollars a year, I was a six-figure entrepreneur. I was like, I'm a six-figure person. I make six figures. I got a bunch of side hustles. I got a full-time job that pays me multiple six figures. I'm a six-figure entrepreneur. This is what I need. Before that, I was a five-figure person. I was a five fan. I would say, this is what I need. This is what I'm making. This is what I decided I need. I woke up in the morning. This is what I decided I am. So you can decide. You can choose a number, and then you can change it later if you get inspired and you find another way to do something. So picking a number is really important. Most people don't realize the importance of picking a number. You might, If it's a delusional number, you'll ask yourself questions like, what am I supposed to do with this number? I don't even know where to begin. But if it's, an, if it's a number that's outside of your comfort zone, 
and it's a little bit outside of your comfort zone, you know you're going to start, your brain's automatically going to figure out ways to get it done. So now that you have awareness that you need to pick a number, now that you have awareness around what your target market is, now you can pick a number, just decide whatever the number is, write the number down. Your intuition knows what the number is. There's something in your intuition that actually knows what the number is. And if you can just write it down, you're going to feel a certain level of clarity that you didn't have before. Because confusion stops. Fear causes confusion. Fog stops you from seeing what's going on outside. You got to clear the fog. If you want motivation. Yeah. I, um, I would rather have a goal, a goal that I fear than no goal at all. And so I agree with everything you're saying. I think that, um, um, you know, uh, I think I mentioned this just a little while back. It's, you know, having a, a creative mind is probably uh, not the best for, you know, entrepreneurship. And not to say that it, it can't help, but ultimately speaking, we don't like to think in numbers. We don't like to think in structures. We like to think abstract. So, um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that the more I start to ask myself that question, the more I look at, I, can, I notice the resistance. Um, for example, uh, do I want 7.5 billion because then it's just like this, then I can continue to live in this cloud or if I get down to it, no, I don't necessarily want that. I want what I want. And then I got to find out what that is. But I agree. I think that there's some, certainly a power to that. So thank you for, for sharing that. Okay. So having that breakthrough, having the breakthrough where you, where you get to a point where you're like, I got stuck. I realized that, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm created a little box for myself. Even the whole idea that you believe that you're a creative person. I mean, how could you say that you're a creative person, that you like to be a visionary person? And while at the same time, being a person who breaks down people's pasts and creates strategy around them to really figure out what's going on. Every single person, I want you to realize that every single person has an aspect of themselves that is creative and has an aspect of themselves who is methodically detail-oriented. We all do. We all have those aspects. You may enjoy, or you may have your personality automatically go to that creative area, but at the same time, you also have the area of being able to figure out your numbers and all that stuff. So going there, you're gonna feel a lot of resistance going there. Just like an introvert is gonna have a lot of resistance going to a, a party after they just spent lots and lots of time with people because they need to get recharged by being by themselves. That doesn't mean they're not going to be able to go. It just going to mean that they're going to be very uncomfortable. So this discomfort or this frustration that you might feel is very, very powerful because once you get over that hump, then you can have a quantum leap in your results. Just want you to know that. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, you know, it, that's, that's, um, that's an interesting point. I think that where you avoid... Um, is really where your fears are. So um, perhaps, perhaps there's some resistance there because of which. Um, but I think also, you know, the, in the helping profession, you know, you come, you want to, you want to help everybody. You know, you, you you feel compassion, you feel the pain of other people, and you want to help. And and that becomes very, you know, by limiting who you can help, it's in a sense it feels well. I guess I can't help the other people. So there's some element to that too. But um, let me read you. Let me read you a quotable quote. Mm -hmm. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. 
It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God, and your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people don't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And it's not just in some, in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And as we are liberated from our fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Wow, powerful stuff. Who, who uh, qu uh, was quoted saying that? Marianne Williamson. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's so a, um, it's, a big, it's a big, big fear that we have, that we are incredibly powerful. Well, I believe that the fear is just the misuse of power. You know, it's, it's the consequences of our actions. If we, if we don't get it right, the people, the, 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 um, you know, it's, it's nice to, 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 uh, to explore, but then um, not to say that it's failure, but um, when we, when we explore and then we fall flat, you know, there's, there's consequences. So I would say that, it's it's um the consequences of of, uh, of that that maybe we're afraid of as well in addition to the to our power but um that that is a powerful statement thank you for sharing that joe this episode of the breakthrough maze is brought to you by ajax union a digital marketing agency based in brooklyn new york ajax union's core focus is to support b2b companies to generate better leads nurture those leads from the top of the funnel to the bottom line. Visit www.ajaxunion.com to learn more about our amazing offering. Thanks for listening to The Breakthrough Maze, hosted by Joe Applebaum. We hope that by listening to the journey of a stranger, you've become inspired to want a little more freedom, a little more power, and a little more vitality. To find out more about Joe Applebaum or this incredible public coaching session, go to www.joeapplebound.com. Also, head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. Help make it possible for more people to benefit from this free coaching. And leave a comment describing what you got out of this episode. 